Hey, so how's it, everybody? Welcome to Freedom Fanatics, where your freedom is worth fighting for. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, bright and early, well, relatively, for our, our students here, uh, Sheldon and Chris, coming to us from the Western Cape. Uh, guys, remember to follow us at Badger of Liberty, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, as well as Twitter. And right, guys, so let's jump into it. And we introduced the show this morning with a video of what is the quintessential starter pack for a political party launch. And that is because there's another political party on the scene in the run-up to 2024. It is uh, the political Game of Thrones at its best. So now this political party comes out of KZN and it's essentially, it seems like it's the action, it's the Action South Africa to the DA. So what the action cipher was to the DA is what this party is to Action SA. It's a breakaway uh, from Action SA. And this is um, a former KZN Action SA member's former new breakaway liberal party called Activists uh, South Africa. Now, this party is started by Busin Chingila, who was um, who is, well, she's the provincial chairperson of the political party, um, and she was involved with Action SA, and she felt that she didn't, she couldn't um, get the politics done that she wanted to, but she was backed by the community. And what's quite interesting here, um, at least to me, is that uh, there is some sort of a mandate here. Now, we spoke a few weeks a bit ago about Musi uh, Mahmoud's new party of his World One South Africa, um, and she basically... Um, says that the key to her politics is working with people on the ground. Um, but let me come to you, Chris, first. Um, what are your thoughts around another new political player um, and activist society, uh, action uh, activist South Africa? Beg your pardon. Um, I think new political parties are, are, are crucial going up to 2024, where voters have a choice. There's this, voters always need to have a choice and, and new political parties are crucial. And we need, voters need to look at these parties and they need to weigh up their options and they need to do their research and pick which one is the best. Mm. So, yeah. This is yeah. welcome news. We like people. We will. We love people who want to work with communities who realize mm. that their power is by the people. The people are the ones who hold the power, and that's crucial to to the way forward. Mm. We've Absolutely. seen what what an unresponsive what 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 unresponsive government looks like. We've seen what an basically unresponsive opposition looks like, and that's not the way forward, and this is the way forward, working with the people. Mm, absolutely. I mean, Sholin, it's basically, I mean, if you, you know, go and you want cereal in the morning, and the only cereal you have on offer is one that, uh, you know, the box is empty all the time, and you can only eat it with with water because the milk has been stolen, uh, you know, then you're going to go for, maybe opt for, <laughs> maybe opt for oats instead of dry, uh, no-name brand, cornflakes that's been there for the last uh, 20 odd years. Um, what are your thoughts around, around this? I mean, I mean, the one what's fascinating about what, what it seems a pretty honest, I mean, 
and Chingila says that um, what I learned from action essay is that you can build something from nothing. Uh, you can build something from nothing, um, and that many of the members of the newly founded action uh, activist society, activists of South Africa, it's, it's just a tongue twister. This party um, has strong community ties, and they need an outlet to continue their groundwork. So, I mean, that sounds to me like a bit more of a manifesto than uh, or something tangible, more than what uh, Musi Mamani was offering the other day. Yeah, so one thing I would mention is that I really like the idea about this activist South Africa is that um, they are really taking like a bottom-up approach, um, whereas many of the established political parties in, in South Africa today, they have a very top-down approach. So we may, they make all the decisions at the top and everybody at the bottom must just follow um, or you need to get out. Um, but what this political party obviously understands what works is that, you know what, your members at the bottom should be the decision makers, actually, um, and that the leaders are the ones who should follow the mandate that's given to them by the, um, by the members. And another thing that um, one of the leaders actually mentioned is that they're not just here to just, um, you know, shout across the room and be like, um, no, you know, this is all the problems, this people are bad, mm. our position are the worst. Um, you know, they're a bunch of arrogant racists. Um, they understand that that does not work. Um, it's not an appealing way to attract um, people into the political field. And what they actually are like, you know, we're going to focus on the concerns of um, our communities. And I mean, that is just brilliant. I hope that they actually do succeed. Um, they have identified as a liberal party, if I'm correct, Alex. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. as a liberal party. At least there's some ideological foundation that they're um, establishing themselves on. I think that's brilliant also. It's a brilliant step in the right direction. And it's also part of um, what um, Franz Cronier um, used to um, say is that, you know, we're going to see a fragmentation in South African mm. uh, politics with the political parties. We're going to see more localized um, um, political parties and not this mainstream idea of what we understand political parties to be right now. Mm. And I should also note that a very exciting part for me is actually that the majority of whether it's... Um, um, BOSA or Action SA, it's actually Activist South Africa now. All of these new political parties, or even the one of Justice Mukwing Mukwing, all of the political parties that are establishing themselves right now are center right. Um, so they're either in the center as liberal mm. or they're on the right side of the political spectrum, which is a good thing because it counters the left of the, the radical left side of things like the EFF mm. and that. Um, and all of these factions in the African National Congress. So it, it balances, it's like an equalizer on the political field. So I think that is absolutely great because, I mean, during apartheid, what we had was everything was on the right side and they just ran and made the most horrible policies. Mm. We, we are at the risk of making everything on the left side where the likes of Julius Malema and, you know, this a ANC have the worst possible socialist policies. But what mm. we're seeing now is that everything is kind of centering and whoever's in the center holds a lot, a lot of weight. So mm. I'm like, yeah, a moderate center is exactly what we need. So yeah, I'm definitely in support of it, Alex. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Chris, the one the one little, I mean, not red flag about Activist South Africa launching, but you, you, you do quite a lot of research on coalitions. Um, what are some of the maybe cautions that, um, or things that voters might be aware of. I mean, we've seen the Johannesburg City Council go into shambles with uh, some politicking there and illegal, supposedly illegal meetings and council sittings, re-electing members there. 
Um, I mean, this could be something of a political future for um, for people in, in KZN specifically to, to be aware of. Um, do you think um, do you think that maybe parties like this need a strong mandate? Um, I mean, they've said they would like to, they're aiming for five seats in parliament come 2024. Um, what should what should we should we throw caution to the wind here? Should people be supporting small parties, or should people be throwing the weight behind recognised as such parties? Is this a threat? I mean, as Sholin says, it's great to have uh, more choice, but it comes with a bit of sort of not it's not a, a, a golden a golden highway exactly. Mm. No, uh, personally, I'd be aware, uh, wary of small parties because. Um, there's no record in government, and so far we see that um, <clears throat> parties who are unreliable, for example, say the Patriotic Alliance, we know that they a bit, mm. um, how can I put it? Uh, so sit on the fence a, a little bit. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they don't, don't know what the oh lord <laughs> yeah it does just say small parties you need to be mm. wary of as voters you need to know what you're going into and and parties need to realize that their voters are the ones that they are ultimately accountable to so mm. if you want to vote for for activist south africa you can vote for them but you need to be wary of what they stand for and and what they aim to do when they are elected so yeah no absolutely absolutely i, I guess <clears throat> what you're seeing now in, in other places like johannesburg is what happens i mean obviously western cape started under coalition many years ago and i think back in 2006 um but i guess yeah you need to see how these things play out i mean it's all very well having good intentions you know one is to work with the community representing them uh, but hopefully power doesn't go straight to the brain and, uh, you know, start leading these well in, supposedly well-intentioned um, new parties to sort of sell their souls to the highest bidder. But anyway, guys, let's move on to our next feel-good feature for today. Um, and this one comes out of the Eastern Cape. Um, and this is about... Uh, mm, Mr. Sisipo Hamlomo. And I, I remember during... Uh, the lockdown, the president highlighted a story about a guy who used his relief grant to start selling ice creams and he built up a veritable business and all, like it was one sort of like needle in the haystack of, you know, how this government intervention was helping. Um, but the story was quite interesting. I mean, uh, Mr. Hamlomo, basically, when he was in high school, uh, he started selling ice cream on the beach um, in East London, in, at the East London Esplanade. And he, his family was wholly reliant on, uh, social, on social grants. Um, and he couldn't afford school uniform. He had a very strong uh, teacher uh, in mathematics who, who was a bit of a role model for him, encouraged him, um, built up his interest and his confidence, if you will, in mathematics. Um, and then he, you know, in the school holidays, would sell his ice creams, bought the uniform, uh, got funding secured funding to go to university and he is now teaching mathematics after finishing uh, his MSc in mathematics. 
um, at Rhodes University. So it really, really is a, a cool story. Just I think, but for me, Sean, I'm going to come to you on this one, is how important it seems to have, I'll come to his, his persona in a bit, but having somebody in your uh, community who it can be a role model, and it seems like in this case for Mr. Khamlomo, it was, in fact, his mathematics teacher. I mean, yeah, more role models, more more uh, math professors, it seems. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do think that, um, you know, it, it does, I, I really don't like it when people tend to be like, you know, when somebody succeeds um, in, for example, a community that's maybe impoverished or whatever, then they like to say like, oh no, this person is, is merely um, an exception, they're not the rule. Um, mm. But the thing is, what we don't, what you don't tend to understand is that when you see an exception like this, somebody that shows that, you know, it actually is possible, Trust me, there are other people who are looking at this individual's life and being like, yo, this person beat the odds. This people comes from a similar community than I am, um, you know, and they still made it. Um, even in, in poverty, whatever the case may be, they were still able to do it. So why can't I also do it? And that is a really important mental configuration because mm. I think it breaks down this uh, this mentality of, of victimhood of, you know what, I mean, I find myself in a very struggling position. Um, I grew up in, for example, a poor family. My community is ravaged by all of these bad things. Um, and now I can't do it. And it breaks down that um, possibility of saying, no, I cannot. Um, another interesting thing about this guy, Alex, is that his family, um, or one of his parents, I think, uh, was actually dependent on a grant um, um, mm. system or himself. Um, I'm just not sure. And them, and that actually is one of the things that makes me, um, how do I say this, evolve my view on what we know as like the welfare system. Mm. Um, because I do think that there is a place for a social grant system to exist in, in, a, in a society, in a country. Mm. However, it's not healthy when, you know what, the majority of the people um, are dependent on the government for a handout. Um, that's when I think we're heading into risky territory. But I mean, like, here clearly a uh, 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 social grant was an assistance to him. Um, mm. It was not a chain that kept them locked, you know, for in perpetual dependency. Um, so I think that's one of the success stories that um, obviously they knew that they need to take this and run with it um, to be like, you know, we need more grants, which maybe we do if we have more jobs, um, then we could possibly pay for more grants. So that's definitely something to take in consideration. And I mean, yeah, this guy has every reason to be proud of himself. And yeah, to, I, know, I mean, like that makes him humble um, to be like, you know what, that you actually have to work um, if you want to make a success of, of your life or even just your family. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I guess the, the one thing, Chris, you've written actually recently about social grants and the welfare system. And I think the thing is here, the, the one thing that stands out to me is that he was able to sell, like he had the initiative, of course, but he had the freedom to sell ice cream on the beachfront, not being hamstrung because we know it, for informal traders, you know, the police coming and taking your stock, um, saying you're not allowed to operate here, that's a big problem. But here he found a gap in the market. He was able to sell his goods. And that ultimately, yes, using the cushion from a social grant to help him get ahead. Is that kind of the, the model to, to sort of, get launched from uh, escaping a dependency on, on social grants? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. The government, I think they need to sort of 
embark on a public relations campaign of sorts, saying that social grants aren't the be-all and end-all of, of, of life in South Africa, and that these social grants are a means to an end for those mm -hmm. that have initiative, are looking for opportunities to work, and, and are desperately uh, looking for a way out. They, mm -hmm. they, they want opportunities, give them opportunities, and if they can use uh, their money for the greater good, then definitely allow them to do it. Don't say, here's a grant, uh, so much people, so much million grants, and yeah. No, absolutely. And I guess the thing is here, yeah, eventually, I mean, he went, Mustafa uh, Mlemo basically went from being a, a social grant beneficiary to ultimately being a concerted taxpayer now. So I guess that that is the full circle that we want to see see more of those. But all we want to see is, is that tax money getting spent properly. Uh, Shonen, any last thoughts before we jump into your reactions? Yeah, no, I was just going to add there that, I mean, government's main focus should be actually delivering services. Um, you know what? They don't need to social engineer um, success for everyone. And I think that's exactly on point, Alex. I mean, this man went from being, um, you know, a dependent on a state resource to being actually resourcing the state. Um, and I mean, that's just, that's just brilliant. And mm -hmm. yeah, government should definitely be spending that money on services um, that they must deliver. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Making the lives of people like Mr. Hamle more easier. But guys, that's all we have time for today on Freedom Fanatics. But we that's not all we have for the show. Of course, we have your reactions coming up with Mbali. Guys, remember to follow us at Badger of Liberty, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, as well as Twitter. So without further ado, let's uh, roll out the red carpet for Mbali for your reactions. Hello and welcome to your reactions. Hi Alex, hi Sholen, hi Chris. Hi So guys, today we are looking at a code card um, which will come up just now. And our code card reads, depressions and mass unemployment are not caused by the free market but by government interference in the economy Sholan, i'll start with you true or false i do think that yeah it has a lot of um truth to it um because mm -hmm. many other times what we see is um mass unemployment or for example depressions when the economy is going really bad um, mm -hmm. is tends to be because of regulations um, that the government gives up, uh, making it harder for people to be employed by businesses. Um, you know, things like inflation starts skyrocketing, um, you know, policies and um, decisions made on, made on tax that goes out. Those things um, make are the cause of mass unemployment. Um, because I do think in the world today, like, I mean, you can, there's too many, there's so many businesses. Um, a lot of people would want to hire more people. I mean, in some cases, it tends to be the case where, um, you know what, people are actually short-staffed, businesses are short-staffed. But hiring people is difficult because of policies where um, the government is telling a business that you must hire somebody because of the color of the skin, um, because mm -hmm. of the gender. Um, I mean, ESCOM is a perfect example of this when they can't um, actually do the job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so governments are telling people you need to hire people on all the superficial identity factors um, instead of being like hire people based on merit. But, but 
higher than because they can do the work. Um, I mean, yeah. that is such a simple thing. Um, so yeah, gun interference um, should be, um, I think uh, it should be limited and it should be brought back to delivering basic services for people and not necessarily interfering on in the economy in Bali. Definitely. I truly agree with you, Sholen. Um, So our first comment that we're going to look at is from Madeline, and she says, that is it in a nutshell. Sickening and the looting continues. Alex? Hmm. Well, I think if, if the government's interference is reduced to looting, as mm-hmm. <laughs> we often see in South Africa, then I totally agree with, with Madeline. Madeline. Um, but yeah, uh, I echo what, what Sholin said. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, a big, I mean, look at, if you look at, I mean, look, I think lockdown and COVID is quite an extreme example. But, you know, in that case, yeah, it's the government telling people to stay at home while they were busy chowing you know, COVID relief money. So right. yeah, it's, uh, it's lit. Those people are rich from that COVID money. Trust me. <laughs> Wish I had some of that. <laughs> um, the next, the next comment rather um, is from Jackie and they say a true fact indeed, just look at the cater in employment and the terrible ANC government state capture, which has ruined one um, one's beautiful country. Um, Chris, I think we all know, we can all see that the country has been ruined. What can we as mere citizens do to bring back our country? You demand freedom, basically, if I can put it like that. Mm-hmm. So just simply, mm-hmm. you demand that the government give you freedom to operate mm-hmm. in the most efficient way possible. If you want to start a business, you can start a business. If you want to hire whoever you want to hire, you can hire them without the government having to tell you who to hire. And that's Mm. the way that you succeed in life. Individual liberty and individual responsibility is is quite important in in how economies and, and governments and the country functions, basically. Yes, sir. Preach. And our next comment is um, from Willem or Vilema, and he or she says, my depression stems from the increase in violence, which is increasing daily. I think we can all relate. Um, the other day, we'll look at a story of a student who got marked mm. via cell phone and, you know, their life ended just like that. Um, Sholen, does your depression also stem from there? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely it does, Mbali. I mean, we have too many horrific stuff happening in this country, um, especially like violent acts. I mean, recently the new trend is now, um, you know, people being kidnapped um, and then being extorted. Um, I mean, just recently in South Africa, um, one of that situations happened where um, in the Western Cape, a Ukrainian business owner was kidnapped and then they were mm. like, told like, yo, you need to pay us a money, a ransom money to, and then you will be released. And my question is, where is the police in all this? I mean, mm-hmm. the South African police service, we know SAPS is understaffed. Um, it's yeah. under-resourced as well. We are constantly hearing situations where, Bali, this blows my mind, where police stations are being robbed by gunmen and being stolen of oh. the guns. I'm like, if you need to know the state of South Africa's police and security service, that is a case at point. Um, we don't even need to add anything to that. It shows the mm-hmm. dire situation that we have right now. And then obviously we have the OG, the top gun, 
um, with his brilliant hat, aka Becky Chele. I mean, oh. this man is so busy chilling on Camps Bay beaches that then and trying to, you know, arrest people for being outside during lockdown. And then he is actually um, attacking and, you know, what, um, approaching and convicting real um, criminals um, mm. in South Africa. So I really think, yeah, we need a massive change or else the violent situation is just getting worse. Yeah. yeah, true, which is really sad. Um, the next comment is from, well, the next and the last comment is from Jin Yang, and they say, so true, why is it that socialists don't get it? Why is that they continue to blame capitalism as the bad guy when it is the fundamental of all the economies? Alex, your thoughts? I heard someone recently explain that, like, it's the for example, like the ANC just doesn't get business. Like they just don't really understand how to make money other through than through, you know, cronyism. Um, but isn't Cyril a businessman? Uh, you see, this I think this is one of those great myths of <laughs> of South Africa. But no, I think he, you know, he's been on a lot of boards and been placed in a lot of convenient positions that has helped mm. in accrue wealth. Alex, he's yeah. the chief cater that has been deployed by the ANC into business. So exactly, yeah. exactly, he's he's number one. Um, mm. I don't I don't know why I don't know what doesn't click in their minds. Um, I think it's like stems from resentment towards the individual, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> that is that is very very deep. But anyways, uh, guys, I think on that deep note, we've come to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Do remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We have very, very uh, informative um, content. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Do remember that your freedom is worth fighting for.